Hey guys, and welcome back to Q&A session 25. I'm your host, Joel, and I'm not here with Brett because Brett is away in Sydney. So what we talked about last week was having Sarah Billings back on for an elite athlete uh, Q&A. Now, we were going to put this out a bit later to surprise people, but we thought, hey, Sarah's in high demand. Everyone loved the episode. It was super successful. So I'm back in the studio, which doubles as a lounge room. Sarah, how are you? Good, thanks, Joel. So did you hear, obviously, how well the episode went? We told you. Yes, you did. So how come you were so insecure in the beginning? Do you remember that? We spoke about this. I don't know if you've listened to that episode that came out, but you, when I first told you, you were like, oh, why would anyone want to listen to me? Yeah, well, you've had people like Ollie Hoare, Sinead. Boring, boring. Like the calibre of athletes have been very good compared to me. So, um, yeah. I think it's not always about the actual performances that you've put on the board. It's just about how you talk and what kind of person you are. Not That was a joke that those two are boring athletes. They're, they were great and they're really good in interviews. But, you know, sometimes people, there's definitely athletes out there who, you know, are like world champions and stuff but are boring to listen to. Mm. Whereas you're not boring to listen to. But you're also not a world champion. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing, obviously, um, Brett and I, we had talked about at the end of uh, episode 30, which came out, was um, you had to rush off to lunch and that's why we couldn't do the Q&A session. Okay. What do you you have to say about that? I'm going to set this straight. There was no lunch involved. Joel. How How come you told us you had to rush off to lunch? Joel, you were two hours late and I had to rush off to work. So that's actually what happened. It wasn't a lunch. <laughs> was I two hours late? I was probably. Yeah, we were supposed to do it at midday and you got here at two. Midday for me is a window that starts from 11 and runs till about 4pm. <laughs> that's what midday for me. That's like the middle of the day. <laughs> um, no, so obviously we didn't get to touch on pretty much anything about Sarah Billings. It was just your training week and how fast you were in high school. And then we spent mo- the majority of the episode taking the piss out of each other. Um, I think everyone absolutely loved your things we've seen on Instagram this week that we aren't too sure about. Oh, they did? Tim Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. A lot of people were. So a lot of people weren't too sure about it or? Um, I think a lot of people just wanted some more information. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not about me. Um We'll so, see if you post anything on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Watch this space. Big <laughs> things coming. <laughs> um, so obviously, yeah, we didn't get to get to talk about any, as, as I just said. Um, so let's just start off. We did have a bunch of listener questions. Um, most of the listener questions were related to the questions that Brett and I had already uh, had written down to ask you. So that way we can take the credit for all these um, great questions and then we'll finish off depending on how well you speak and how long this goes on for we'll finish with some uh, listener questions so first of all tell the listeners how did you get into running you're 20 do we talk about your age you're 24 years 24, old 24 yeah um, i've got a really bad memory so i don't remember what we talked about in episode 30 so just <laughs> i can't really remember it either yeah. it was all a blur um so i started running in probably primary school my um, head of sport and the running coach at my school, Steve Ellinghouse, who was also my coach for a very long time, they kind of spoke to me and said, um, look, I think you should enter the districts. Um, I think it was district. district yeah. yeah. Um, and 
I, I used to do like 100 and hurdles back then. Um, we did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was more of a sprinter. So it was, I guess, them who kind of identified that I had a bit of talent. And so they entered me into the school competitions um, and I loved it. Uh, but I did play mostly netball through school. So, what um, position were you? Centre. Of course, could pick <laughs> a mile away. Centre wing attack. Um, so I actually played more netball than running. Yeah. Um, so you took probably, the netball fairly seriously? Yeah, fairly seriously. I'm not that tall, so I knew that it would never go that far. And also I wasn't that good. Yeah. I just liked it. Um, but, yeah, it was probably in about – I played up until year 12, but it was in about year 10 that Steve was like, look, you've got to make a decision because you're doing more netball than running. So, yeah, I chose running. Um, and if there's one thing that's like not good for a couple of sports that other than say something like boxing, but, you know, netball, basketball, that is just so bad for for running. You know, yeah. Like that sort of tra- it's just that stop, start, especially netball where you like sprint, jump up in the air, land and stop. It's like that is – you're just going to get so many running-related injuries. Yeah, and that's what Sorry, netball-related injuries for running. Yeah, and that's what Steve kind of said. He was like, the risk is way too high. Um, yeah, so I chose running and I still played netball but just, you know, just for school. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Social. Yeah. Yeah. So when you made that decision in around year 10, what event was your focus at that point? Uh, 400 was my main event. Um, I also was still doing the 200. um, But, yeah, from year 11 onwards it was the 400 400. and then moved to the 800 once I left school. You know what I find funny about that? I was thinking about this in the the car drive over here. Um, We've talked about on like the main podcast before that every single runner, like we're all distance runners, your middle distance still, it's got the word distance in it. Yeah. Um, we, if given the chance, we would be 100 meter runners, right? <laughs> if, if given the chance and then, and then you're not good at the hundred, I'll give myself a go at the 200. <laughs> oh, no success there. I'll go to the 400. Just slowly Unfortunately for me, out. I'm up to half marathon and I will be knocked <laughs> to marathon eventually. Who knows if I even finish that. But I never even got a chance at the shorter distances because I just get smoked. Where Whereas did you, you start? Like went, what distance did you start off? Well, I started boxing a little ass when I was under sixes. So five, no, but as five in, years old. As in like what was your first event that you specialised in? Beanbag chop put. <laughs> <laughs> Um, distance, to be honest. Like yeah, okay. 50, 800 and 1500. I got yeah. my first like medal at States at, when I was like 11 or 12, 800. So Okay, pretty, so you started at 800, yeah, start, so you're already started pretty properly. far. Yeah, so I was yeah. already far in. And I was thinking in the car drive over here, you are the first middle distance slash distance runner that I know that actually had quite a lot of success at the shorter stuff early. Like, you you know, we talked about that. You're, you're, go on, tell the listeners who missed episode 30. What was your 100 meter PB? Um, 12-2. Yeah, which is just f- ridiculous, right? So, yeah, that's I find that super interesting. Um, but then on the also the, the side of that is you obviously went to 100 and then you didn't last there. So then you went to the 200 and then yeah. you didn't last <laughs> there and then you went to the 400 and you've crept up. It's like, oh, fuck, I'm not competitive there anymore. Yeah. It's just a funny observation I had in the car. But obviously it's great because you, you still were able to do that. So 400 metres, year 11-12. Was yep. your focus? Yeah. What were you in that high school sort of athletic career? 
what was your best result? Like either state, were you like competitive at a state level, national level? What was it? I won nationals in the 400 in both year 11 and 12. So I think that was um, under 16 and 17s or something. Um, Yeah. So do you reckon I I could understand Steve Ellinghouse, he would have been thinking, well, was she the best netballer in the whole country in year 11 and 12? Probably not. So very good decision (laughs) to focus on running. Yeah. And I, I loved it way more. Yeah. The training, the people, yeah, I just liked the whole running world way more. Did you like demolish the competition or was it like, you know, you close wins or were um, you like, say you won in year 11, right? Were you lining up in year 12 and everyone's just like, oh, how are we going to beat Sarah sort of thing? Uh, I can't really remember that well. You're also really modest. So <laughs> you're probably going to be like, I don't know. I think, I think so. Jess Thornton was like a big competitor of mine. We were the same age group. And I think she, um, she was much quicker than me at the time, but I think she was either injured or raced in the age group above so she could make world youth or something like that. So she wasn't actually in it. So that made it a little bit easier for me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you finished year 12, your high school athletic career as a national 400 meter champion. Yeah. What, were you, how old were you then? 18? 17. 17. Yeah. Okay. So how did that work for them world juniors? Like yeah. Like through that. So, um, I had a, a hamstring injury all through year 12, which was, I had a tethered nerve in the top of my hamstring. So I couldn't do a lot of speed work. So we, a lot of my training had to be a little bit slower, a little bit longer. And I found I actually really, really liked that sort of training. And so Steve and I, and also I worked, um, I had another coach, Tony Marsh, who I did all my speed stuff with. Um, and I spoke to both of them and we kind of thought, look, let's go for the 800 for world juniors because my body was just handling it better. And so, yeah, I'd also ran the year before I entered a random milers and ran 208, which was I'd never really ran an 800 before. So that was pretty decent for me. So we knew that like I had the ability because I think sure. the qualifier was 207. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then that summer. Is this the year straight out of high school? Because I know it's every second year. So or was it? Yes. Yeah. So I was middle. So, so I wasn't. Yeah, 2016. So I wasn't top age and I wasn't bottom. I was like in the middle, the middle yeah. age. Um, yeah, so we turned my our focus to the 800 and, yeah, I got the time and also went for the 4x4 as well. Okay. Where were, were World Juniors then? Bidgosh in Poland. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And how did you go in the 800? I made the semi. Um, I think I finished 14th overall. Yeah. One spot in front of what Barber finished, <laughs> so good. I was happy about that. Um, I, finished but, th- I finished thirteenth at my world juniors. <laughs> oh, one spot in front <laughs> of me. Different sport doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I had a really tough heat, so my heat was one in two oh six, whereas the girl who ended up going on to win, um, her heat was two twelve. Oh, so wow. it was it was very like. Um, it depended, it was a huge range of times sure. to qualify. Um, That's what makes the 800 so hard. Well, yeah. Yeah. And like, throat. oh, cutthroat. And like, I'd never been in a rough race either. And so that was a huge shock to be yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay. Everyone actually wants to be here and people are going to push you out. Of course you haven't out. been in a rough race because you're doing 400s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no one's allowed to touch yeah. you. Um, yeah. 
obviously, yeah, you you talked, you just touched then on injury, and I want to get back to that because most of the listeners that have like followed your career or know you as a elite athlete know you've been you know incredibly injury riddled. Um, but just before we go there, obviously, first year out of high school, you mentioned that you'd gone to you know what was it, Bidgosh? Yeah, Bidgosh. Good, got it first go. Um, obviously, a lot of really good runners straight out of high school in Australia get poached to colleges in America. Did you have college offers? Why did you not end up there? Yeah, so I did consider it um, probably in about year nine or ten, um, but then when World Juniors won, was on the cards, I kind of just wanted to keep everything the same. I wasn't going to change, you know, my training group, my coach, anything like that. It's I wanted bro- broken. Why fix it, right? Exactly. Or introduce something new which could potentially yeah. throw things out. And also what I wanted to study wasn't really offered there. Um, which was? So I wanted to do architecture, which I did do. Um, so I did architecture and construction, a double degree. Um, but yeah, that wasn't really an option if I also wanted to prioritize running. Mm. Um, so I was kind of like, look, it's working for me in Melbourne. I get to do the. the... Don't really offer many creative things, do they? Not really. I I wanted to do design stuff. There was just nothing. Yeah. I, looking back, I think you can do a, a degree in construction management, but to do architecture, you basically have to go to an architecture school and like, obviously they don't have running programs. So yeah, it was kind of off the cards at that stage. Um, looking like back in an ideal world, maybe I would have gone a year or so after World Juniors. Um, but in saying that, you... Hindsight's... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, so let's go back to, you mentioned that hamstring injury in year 12, right? Yep. You had been running... F- throughout most of your schooling years, how injury riddled were those? Have you been someone who like, you know, as a junior, super young in primary school doing running, have you been injured or yeah. were you someone? Yeah. So. so not serious injuries like I've had now, but just like little things like the classic shin splints. Um, what is it? Osgood yeah, Os- 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 Schlatters. <laughs> Yeah, just the classic ones like that. Me and Rambo always make jokes. Was it me and Rambo? Or maybe me and Smack, I forget now. But it's like, we're like, oh, fuck, my elbow hurts. I think i got Oshgood Slattis in my elbow. <laughs> like put Oshgood, I've got a headache. I've got Oshgood Slattis in my head. I think it is a bit overused at times. But, it's the um, one in the knee, right? Yeah, it's in the knee. But, yeah, my the hamstring one was probably the first, like, serious one that I had. Um, yeah, which... It actually came on from studying, like sitting down too much. Oh, sure. um, but I got a cortisone and it literally fixed it straight away. So, yeah. How good are cortisones? If they work. <laughs> if they work. I've, <laughs> yeah. You and I both with our injury history, we've probably had lots of positive ones and lots of yep. ones that didn't work. Um, so finishing yeah, World Juniors, that was 2016. Yep. Then you spent another year, 2017, with your coach, Steve Ellinghouse. Yep. And then at the end of 2018, you joined Melbourne Track Club yes. under Nick Bideau. Yes. Tell us about that transition. So, um, yeah, I went to World Juniors, came back. Um, I was actually injured at World Juniors um, but did the classic, kept my mouth shut, 
and then dealt with it after. So and that so you didn't get knocked off the team, sort of thing. Yeah, and just also I wanted to run. What, what was the injury? I had a stress reaction in my tibia, Fuck. so it wasn't terrible. Like you could run through that. Mm. Um, you can run through it, but you don't want to run through it. Yeah, it's yeah. Not ideal. No, it's I don't not think ideal. Many athletes are lining up at like world juniors and world champs, going, "I'm glad I've got this tibia stress." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So came back from that, um, recovered from that, and had a really good year in 2017. Went over to America, did some races there, ran a PB, which was good, and then came back and kind of um, had a bit of a slump. Um, yeah, over that 2017 2018 period, and realized that I probably need to change things. Um, yeah, which which was kind of how it came about, um, changing groups and then, yeah, eventually going go to MTC. Straight, did you go straight from Steve and, you know, say see you to Steve and then go straight to Nick or was there a period in between where you didn't have a coach? Yeah, so there was about six weeks where I didn't have a coach. So Geordie stepped up to the plate and I actually got a sacrum. So who's Geordie? Who, my boyfriend. Geordie who? Williams. Never heard of him. <laughs> Honestly, the most used name in this whole podcast. His name gets read out more than Brett. And he doesn't mine. even listen to it either. I know he doesn't. That's why. It's so that's what makes it all the more funnier. <laughs> um, yeah. So Geordie was my coach for about six weeks, and I ended up with a sacrum stress fracture <sighs> as soon as I moved to the group. So that was a good start. Nice Thanks, one, Geordie. Geordie. <laughs> good job. Um, so yeah, end of twenty eighteen, join Nick. How has it been since injury-wise? Injury-wise, the first sort of 18 months was really good. Um, I adjusted to the training really well. My body was coping well. And then in the middle of 2020, I that's when the injuries started. So did you want me to run through them? Let's go. We've got all day. <laughs> unless, unless you have to run off to lunch again. <laughs> no, it's already been lunch. Um, yeah, so I got bursitis in my foot. Um, got a cortisone for that. That didn't work. So they just told me to keep running. Eventually it'll go. Um, which eventually it started getting better, but then I got a new pain in the same foot and it was a stress fracture in my metatarsal. Um, so technically cortisoning into this stress fracture, literally in the exact spot. And on my first scan tissues, right? Yeah, it does. So on my first scan for the um, bursitis, it actually showed up a stress reaction in my metatarsal, but they were like, look, you don't have pain there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and the the time off that I had for the bursitis would heal it. But I, I rushed back too quickly and, yeah, it fractured. And then I came back from that and then I think it was about 10 weeks later of running, I got a stress reaction in my femoral neck. Um, which is hip, as you know, but for I the know. listeners. Had it. <laughs> oh, have you? Yeah. Me, me and you have the check. We should have a checklist up there and go on, on the whiteboard and pick which injury we've covered yeah. between us. We've covered everything. Yeah. I've literally done from sacrum to metatarsal. Yeah. I, um, to be honest, I actually have been lucky with bone stress injuries. I've only had two. Oh, all, that's all good. All my ones are weird ones that need like surgery and stuff. Like Oshwood slatters in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and then came back from that and about 12 weeks later had a stress reaction in my femoral shaft, which is thigh bone. Thigh bone. Um, and that was in uh, June or Ju- July of 2021. And that 
was my most recent injury. Okay, interesting. Obviously, the listeners have heard all that and then they're probably thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Why? Is there a reason? Is it, is it bad luck? Um, is it, you know, something a, little, a lot of uh, athletes make the mistake, endurance runners make the mistake of not eating enough? Or, again, another mistake that a lot of endurance runners make, training too hard. Was it a combination of both? What do you, what do you sort of put it down to? Or was, you know, there's some bad luck in it? It, different for every injury. So I know you don't believe in bad luck when <laughs> well, it comes was, to injuries. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to um, trigger this so that we could get into this discussion. Joel and I have had this argument before. Um, so for, for my femoral neck, that was clearly I rushed back into training way too quickly. Um, like I went from zero to 100 and that was really clear to me. Um, and did a training camp up at Falls Creek, which just wasn't a good idea seeing as though I'd only been running for, I can't remember, but not that long. Um, so that, yeah, that was, there was definitely a clear cause for that. Um, my sacrum, which was when I first like, well, it happened just before I moved to the group. That was definitely under fueling. Um, I was also under fueling and on the Geordie Williams program. Yep. Yeah. So I was doing way more running than I was used to. And I didn't know how to fuel. Yeah. Um, I was doing so much uni. Especially I was it's slammed. Probably, it's, it's quite hard, I would imagine. You know, eight, it seems like, you know, 800 meter runners and stuff, they, from my experience, and I, you're far more experienced than I am in this area, but they seem to, you know, being on camps with, say, Luke Matthews and Ryan Gregson and stuff, they seem to be eating less, you know, because they're, it's so much like power to weight and stuff like that compared to, say, you know, your, your Stuart McSwain who's running, you know, more distant stuff and just eat. And obviously it d- differs from athlete to athlete too. Um, I know we had a listener question the other day asking for advice for eating and stuff and it's like there is no blanket rule. Some athletes, you know, can just eat. Like look at Stewie and Rambo at Falls Creek. They just like eat so much and I'm sort of like that too. And it's like, you know, if, if uh, Luke Matthews or say Geordie Williams, they, you know, Geordie eats like that, they would put on weight, right? It's just how their bodies sort of work. So, yeah, would you say, were you just like learning about your body at that age and sort of, not, and you know, especially with the stress of, as you said, uni and stuff? Yeah, I think um, because I came from that sprinting background, um, I didn't really have to put as much of a focus on fueling because like I'm I don't want to say that sprinting doesn't, no. you know, it, hey, don't worry. This you know, you don't use as much Offend energy. Whoever, whoever you want. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, you, the fueling demands is just different. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know what they are for sprinting, but it is different to what you need for, say, running 100K a week. For sure. Um, and I had no idea. So, yeah, I was pretty much doing you're taking everything like, wrong yeah, at that time. Yeah, you're taking like an 800-meter what you fueled for 800 meters then into doing you know special yeah because even though geordie was coaching we're making obviously making jokes about that but who was geordie coached by at the time nick so yeah. he's gonna he's just gonna have in the same way that like all of us learn our running you know well I, I i did you had steve in the earlier stage of your career yeah so you and how does nick train he does a lot of in a volume for, yeah for middle distance athletes and like so. for geordie he would have seen um like say jen and um 
Eloise doing these huge sessions and so he was like, oh, well, that's what the girls do. That's what you should do. Yeah. But then I've come from doing 50K, 40, 50K yeah. a week. Um, and if you're doing yeah. 20% of that weekly volume on a track Tuesday, yeah. you're in trouble. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the most recent injury I had, the femoral shaft, my doctor, Peter Fuller, um, he literally told me this, he cannot see the red flags. Yeah. He was like, you know, yeah, every strength, um, bone density, like all, all the things that add up to a stressy looked fine. Yeah. And so he was like, you're not running too much. You're eating great. You know, all those things were fine. Yeah, it's um, just bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. And Which is, but we, we're not going to get into the arg- argument on air, and especially people when me and you were talking about this, we were doing it in a lighthearted way, mucking around. But all I said, just to explain to the listeners, was that for, and this is just something I've sort of learned from, you know, I guess people have told me, is that no overuse injury is bad luck. There has to be a scientific reason for it somewhere, for it to, for the tissue to be overworn and to break. At some point, there has to be a scientific thing. Bad luck is an injury where you like, run to catch a football and you, you know, trauma injury where you roll your ankle what? and break it. Okay. But yeah. what about, so what about genetics? Yeah. So that's, that we did, um, that was, I remember. Is that, that what I response, brought up? And that yeah. sort of stumped me a little bit. And I would, I would say, yeah, if you're genetically um, you're predisposed to something like that, then technically you can say that the genetics is bad luck. Yeah. For sure. Which I, I am. Would, which, you, yeah, you, so. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Did you just prove me wrong on, off, prove me wrong on there? Yes, I did. Duff, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's super interesting. I think as and I've been through this, you know, all this year throughout this whole podcast. Um, if you want to progress and be a better athlete, you do need to like learn from that stuff, right? All yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. If you keep making the same mistake over and over, same thing's going to happen. And but also what's and I know this is said so much, but what's right for you, like, and what works for you? Because, like, I remember Steve Deneen told me, he was like, look, before my last injury, he was like, the build-up you've done, 9.5 out of people would have been uh, – 9.5 out of 10 people would have been totally fine on this build-up. You've yeah. not been crazy, but you're just that 0.5 of people who break down. Yeah. And so he was just like, you know, it's not like – you've just been unlucky in this situation. So, yeah, it's about finding out what your limits are, sure. um, which doesn't necessarily – like your limits aren't my limits and no, vice right. versa. So, you're yeah. right. That's definitely – that's a really good point of advice. That's something – it's definitely something I've been dealing with this whole year and having to like change things and realise, oh, that doesn't work for me. You know, I yeah. can't – I can't do what Jack does or Jack and Brett do in training and expect that my body's going to cope or, yeah. you know, I'm just going to get injured. And for yeah. you, same thing. Yeah. But once you sort of make those changes and realise, then it's like, well, you, you, your potential to to excel is like, you know, raised a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So on this last build-up, I pretty much changed everything that I did. Um, and I listened to a podcast. I forget who, um, did it, but he was all about the... Wasn't one of ours. No, (laughs) definitely not. It was very scientific. Um, I actually came off learning something, so I know it wasn't FD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was all about intensity. 
So uh-huh. he put a big focus on like you can't increase mileage and cre- increase intensity at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, I literally jogged for 14 weeks before I even did wow. a session. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It is definitely true. Do you do that like if you're coaching because you're a pulse coach, do you sort of put that into your athletes if they're coming back from an injury? Because it is something I like sort of did at the beginning. You Like when you're, you know, programming and it's so yeah. easy to just be like, okay, now I'm going to up that session and then up the long run. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm upping like total volume and intensity at the same time. So it's yeah. just putting two factors together, which is like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. In, in the case, especially if you're that 0.5 that Steve Deneen was talking about. Yeah. You know, there's always the 20%, 30% of athletes that can just have everything thrown at them and they don't break. Yeah, like Geordie. Like Geordie, <laughs> right? But then he has he has his own problems. Yeah. So it's like most of those athletes that I've thought about it too, you know, when I'm driving home, you know, almost in tears from another scan resulting in a stress fraction, I'm thinking about all that, you know, what we do. I'm sure yeah. you've been the same and you're like thinking – oh, you know, that ha- isn't that person so lucky? And it's like, well, shit, you don't know what they're going through. They yeah, might, exactly. Just because their body doesn't break, you know, they might be putting in two years of good training and not getting any better. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Just just thinking of um, Olympic Park sports medicine and crying in the car, I don't think I've cried more anywhere anywhere else in the whole world except that car park. <laughs> <laughs> And I've cried there so many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, you make me laugh. That's hilarious. Um, well, yeah, this has been great. We've got a few listener questions to go into. Yep. One last thing before. We obviously already on episode 30 talked about what races you've got coming up and sort yep. of what your plans are moving forward. That was a question. Did we? <laughs> no, we did, didn't we? We definitely yeah. did. Yeah. I think. <laughs> no, I know we did. I'm being a smart ass. Um, yeah, one last question just to wrap that sort of up. What would you say is your, if you could pick one, what's your career highlight today? And I know it's a tricky one because people ask me, like me that, and I think, you know, we haven't, due to our injuries, we haven't had the sort of highs, like, you know, we haven't been to senior world championships and stuff like that. So it might be, even if it is that, it might be like when you're in year 12 winning 400 nationals. I'm sure it's not, <laughs> but. Um, probably... My under 20, my last year as a junior, I won the 800 nationals and that was probably, yeah, my career highlight. For sure. Yeah, all, all world juniors yeah. competing there. Yeah. Yep, either one of them. Yeah, that's, that's in, yeah, definitely interesting. It just proves that what we were talking about, right? It's like your last bunch of years have been injury riddled. So all, I'm sure all the listeners will be in agreement with me that get behind you to hopefully have a career highlight in the next couple of years. Big breakthrough. <laughs> what do we say? Big things coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet to see big things. Like, <laughs> do you mean on FDK? Yeah. This is the big thing that was coming, you being on this show <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, didn't you see that um, picture of Brett uh, in coming out of quarantine with the muscle pump? That was a big thing coming. <laughs> Can I be honest? Yeah. You guys built that up. Oh, that makes me so I, happy. I was expecting like... Oh, this makes me so happy. Bodybuilder. Duff, raise the volume on this. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's going to be mad at that. <laughs> you know what? Brett doesn't fucking listen to the ones that he's not on because he's a okay. lazy prick. <laughs> he's a, That's so a he good won't thing listen then. to this. 
But that is uh, that's amazing because we got a lot of people replying, going, "Oh my god, this was so good! Oh my god!" So it's actually good. I I am gonna take what you said there. I'm gonna tell him. Okay. Awesome. Um, listener questions. Let's get into it. A big one here that we copy pasted from our Q and A yesterday because I would like to hear. But we've, to be honest, we've been over a lot of that sort of stuff already. Do you look back on your career so far and have anything that you would have done differently? Um, put it another way, was there anything, say, like when you're in like high school um, that you wish you knew that you do know now? I wish someone told me to think bigger picture, which I, I'm i sure people did, but um, I it wasn't emphasised. Like no. I feel like I was often just thinking about the next thing, the next thing that I was thinking short term. Like I wish someone kind of said, no, like you want to be, you want, you want to think when you're 24, like Mm. 25. And now that I'm 24, you want to be thinking when you're 28. Um, Well, I do. I'm 28. (laughs) (laughs) When you're 32. Yeah. yeah, I, I wish someone told me to think bigger picture. Um, I think that would have changed my approach to a lot of my training. Um, I look at a lot of Tim's training and I just think that, yeah, he's got that bigger picture conditioning. You mean Tim O'Shaughnessy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And how he trains his um, school kids and like I think he thinks a lot about conditioning them to be able to do what we do now and I think that's that's really really good. It's so true. That's exactly what I've – been dealing with the whole year right exactly what you just said there and it's funny because i ran with tim when i was a junior and i did i would rock up to training and like smoke everyone and then you know and do that for six weeks and then be injured yeah and then i was just that was my you know if i timed national cross country at the time i was flying then sure i get a medal yes i kick all those other kids asses but then they were just you know training repeatedly 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 yeah they're now people like Stuart McSwain. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. just like bank. And we've talked about that on the podcast. Hey? Yeah. These guys are just bank like year after year after year. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you did, if you were able to do that, who knows how good you'd but be now. in saying that, I was a sprinter. So like True. I had in my head that I was going to be a 400 runner, not an 815 runner. Yeah. So yeah, again, hindsight is a great thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But also with that, as you just said, that big picture thing, you know, you're 24 now. So are you thinking about like what, where you want to be when you're 28? Yeah. I have that approach so much more, like where I want to be in a year's time. Um, what I'm doing now is, yeah. Yeah. For a year's time, not like, not for the next six weeks. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Well, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> we hang out a lot. So I'll just make sure. I'll okay. check in. Okay. <laughs> um, a question here from Alec Peoples. What surprised you most since you've started coaching? Obviously, you started coaching this year with yeah. Pulse, under Pulse Running. I'm surprised with the openness and willingness for athletes to accept me as a coach. I know that sounds a bit weird, but like coming into Pulse Running, I kind of thought who would want a 24-year-old girl as their coach, um, especially coming from someone who's only had male coaches I don't know. I just expected everyone to be wanting you, Brett, Jack, Collis. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I just didn't expect you know people cool? to be what. And I have feel the exact same thing all the time. So it's like while you're feeling that, 
I feel that in the same way to those, you know, guys like that. Imposter syndrome. Yes. I get it on this podcast a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm like, who the fuck am I being on a podcast talking about this? Yeah. And it's interesting what you just said then because it's exactly the reason why there was a delay in getting this podcast going the first time, episode 30, because we asked you and we talked about this. We said it in a fucking joking way as we do everything, but we were serious. We asked you and you said like, ha, ha, ha. And then you're like, oh, no, what? Are you serious? Why the fuck would people want me on? And that's just <laughs> imposter syndrome. Yeah, maybe we're, we're uncovering some that's what <laughs> like the personal all about. Um, yeah. Yeah, insecurities I have. 100%. So curb your fucking insecurities, believe in yourself <laughs> and we'll have you back on in when you're 28 and hopefully you've been a world champs by then. <laughs> um, another question here from Darcy Carlos. How do you avoid procrastinating from a run, especially the harder runs? Now this is a question <laughs> that we palmed from the um, our Q&A onto you because we get so many of these questions. Yeah. Um most of the time I have to get to work. So <laughs> I like... Darcy, if I, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> if I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't get done. Yeah. Because um, I'm just too tired after it or it's too late or whatever or it's dark. Um, so, yeah, that's usually what gets me out because I'll be running a bit late. Um, yeah, and motivation for sessions and things like that... Um, I'd, that's not like something that I really struggle with that much just because I really like that. You're the other way. You're, you're the other way. You need to be like held back. Yes. That's your problem. Yep. You don't need the motivation to go to training. No. You, you need the motivation to slow down your easy run the next day after training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just love like the pain feeling and like testing your limits. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, so underscore nutritious. Why did you decide to switch coaches? We touched on this a little bit briefly, but not. Yeah, I I think there's there was heaps of reasons at the time, um, but I think everyone needs change. And like one coach, I actually I sat down with Tams and Lewis um, when I was thinking about changing coaches because I wasn't sure if it was just a reflection on how I was running because I wasn't running very well at the time and I was like, am I just being a bit soft and yeah. like, you know. Because that's a bad thing if you yeah. just go, oh, I'm not running well. I've had all this success. Now I'm not running well. Oh, I'll change coaches. Yeah. And then you go to that coach. It doesn't work. Oh, and, I'll change coaches. Yeah, and that's what I thought I may have been doing. So that's why I sat down with her and I said, look, th- this is how I'm feeling. This is like the situation. Do you think I need a change? And she said, definitely. Um, and she said to me, sometimes one coach can um, serve a really good purpose for that period of your life, but then sometimes that ends and you need a change. And that was definitely for me, like Steve and Tony were great for that period of my life, but I just I just needed a change. Yeah. And I had been overseas to visit Geordie um, when he was racing in Europe in 2018 and I saw how the girls interacted, how they trained, how they approached every session, and I loved it. And I really wanted more of that. Um, and that's kind of what attracted me to MC- MTC. Yeah, there you go. Do you see your hero change coaches, Craig Engels? Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, he's not union. Nah, he just it just came out. I saw on Instagram. I follow him on Instagram, and it said. 
yeah, to be honest. It, it actually started with, it was like some sort of funny thing. Like I'm not usually one for long um, captions. So re, so so scroll on if, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the caption actually dragged on. And I was just <laughs> glanced at the bottom and then it was like, thanks to, but moving to. And then I was like, oh, I'm scrolling on. So I don't have actually more info for you, but you'll, you're, you love him, right? We're mates now. I've got to act more cool. Yeah, true. There, yeah, sure. Craig listens to this every day, doesn't he? I hope not. <laughs> cut this stuff. <laughs> what did you say? I said cut this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. You've been great, Sarah. Last question. Big Flight Feel asks, what's life like on the European circuit, the goods and the struggles? Yeah, so there's definitely ups and downs over there. You see some amazing places um, and hang out with amazing people as well. But when when things aren't going to plan, like you're not racing well or you're missing home, it can be really hard sometimes. Um, and I definitely struggled a lot the first six weeks I was over there. Um, I really missed home. I missed my family. I wasn't running well. Um, yeah, there was a few times when I called Geordie so upset in the middle of the Norwegian forest, just like so, so down wanting to come home, but makes it grow up fast, doesn't it? It does at a young age. And also you, cause you're surrounded by so many other athletes, you don't want to bring anyone else down. So you've kind of got to suck that up and just put on a good face. Cause like, at least you think you do. But like you know, when people are running PBs, but you've run terribly, you've you've got to just like put your anger and stuff just aside and yeah, like help be, celebrate that PB. For sure. There's nothing worse than trying to bring something down. But if they're a really good friend at the right time, you should be able to pull them aside and say, "Hey, I'm struggling." And yeah. if they're a good supportive friend, they'll be able to put the champagne they've just won in the race down and then talk <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, it, it is It is really hard at times, but then there's so many amazing things that it makes up for it as well. So, yeah, definitely a mixed bag was my experience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's very different for everyone else, but, yeah. For sure. No, Sarah, that's amazing. Um, obviously, yeah, we wanted to get this whole side of Sarah Billings that we don't get on when we're just talking shit, doing training weeks, taking the piss out of each other. Um, so I think the listeners will absolutely love this. I certainly did. So thank you very much. Thanks, Joel. See you later. Bye.